Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Annie Polland. Annie is a senior vice president of programs and education at the Tenement Museum in New York City. She's a public historian and author of City of Promises, Emerging Metropolis. Welcome, Annie. It's nice to be here. Well, thanks for joining me today to talk about the exhibit, the Jewish post, um, the Jewish ghetto and postcards from Eastern Europe to Lower East Side. Uh, it's an exhibition of early 20th century postcards from the Blavatnik Archive Foundation, and it's currently on view here at the Yiddish Book Center. Um, wondering if you can give me a little bit of background about these postcards. Sure. Um, these postcards were collected by the archive, and they depict market scenes um, mostly on the Lower East Side, although there are some market scenes as well in European city centers. Um, and the ones on the Lower East Side depict the kind of hubbub of the neighborhood. Um, you see male vendors, female vendors, male shoppers, female shoppers. You see children. You see the tenements in the background. Um, and you really see the kind of the dynamism of the market that has uh, been attracting immigrants to the Lower East Side um, at the turn of the 20th century. I believe that the postcards are referred to sometimes um, as coming from the golden age of postcards. And I wondered if you could speak a little bit about that. This is a time in which people are collecting postcards. It's when they're sending postcards. Um, so that, you know, right now we think of postcards as something you, you get from your children when they go to camp, whereas back then the postcards were like fads and, and people invested a lot of time in, in picking them out and thinking about what they're sending to people. Um, so um, they meant something different then than they do today. Were they a way to send news and imagery to the old country to show where they're where they'd settled, where they were living, and what it was like? Sure. I mean, that could be done. Um, and often people, in addition to sending postcards, might go to photography studios, for example, and get pictures taken of themselves in the new country and send them back. But, yes, I mean, the post and mail and the postcards were ways of sharing with friends and relatives and former neighbors what life was like in the new country. And it's interesting. They really do chronicle aspects of everyday life. They're quite a window into kind of the immigrant experience in the neighborhood. And I wonder if you can speak a little bit about their value in that regard historically. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, you know, you can read uh, newspaper articles from the time about what the, you know, quote-unquote Jewish ghetto was like. Um, And you can read settlement house workers' observations. You can read the Yiddish press. Um, and find out about what were you know the big political debates of the time, or you know what's being sold at the shops through ads. But when you see the images, you're kind of able to think about how all these things play out together. Um, and again, it's literally snapshots of daily life that you can imagine and think about the interactions of different people. Um, and I, again, I can't stress enough how important it is that these are scenes depicting people buying and selling because one of the primary motivations for the East European Jewish migration in the first place was economic, was, you know, in, in Eastern Europe, Jews were at the margins of the economy, whereas coming to New York meant that, again, having a pushcart uh, 
being a pushcart peddler was not the most glamorous thing, but you were part of a vital economy, and there were opportunities for growth. Um, you could have your cart, and it could become a store. You could have your cart, and it could become a store, and it could become a larger store. Um, so there was all of this kind of hard work and hustle and bustle around the markets. Um, but really, instead of just thinking about it as a window onto daily life, it's a window onto why the immigrants were coming in such large numbers in the first place, the kind of pull of the American economy and the opportunities that they could find within it. And do we know anything about who took these pictures? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, and they're interesting. I mean, I know that yeah. there were photographers in general taking pictures at the time, but I don't know who was taking I mean, I, yeah. And my understanding um, of postcards at this time it also was a very Jewish thing to have postcards to, as you said, to go into a studio and have your portrait taken, to be able to send that home, and that also there were a lot of Jewish businesses that were in operation in terms of producing these postcards. And I, again, wondered if you could speak at all to that also other immigrant groups that were involved in this, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about the kind of this dynamic of people coming to a new place and wanting to send information back, that would appeal more broadly across the cultures. And do we know who would have purchased and sent these postcards? I know you, you spoke a, a little bit about that a few minutes ago, um, but was there a, a big market for these? Um, and I mean, there's certainly a range of them in this exhibit, which is fascinating. Um, yeah, um, I think... In some, in the exhibit, there are actually some that were sent by people who were not immigrants. Um, I think it seems like they were middle-class Americans who kind of were venturing into this exotic neighborhood and sending pictures back to their friends or family in, you know, somewhere in the interior of the country so that there was a way in which these postcards weren't just things that weren't just um, items that people sent home, but Americans might kind of be buying as a souvenir of their foray into this new urban neighborhood. Were there any that are particular favorites for you? For me, I like the ones, I mean, I like when you can see the women at work, whether they're buying or selling, because um, the work of the women in the immigrant households and in the tenement households was so vital and so important. And I think often because if you look at a census record, for example, when you look at married women, it often says, like, homeworker, houseworker, or, you know, at home. And that doesn't give you a full sense of the vital economic role they played within the household. So often women or the mothers of households were managing the family accounts. You know, their husband might work for wages, their children might work for wages, or teenage children. They might also... Um, be attending to borders, and they would make money off of that. So the women were kind of the accountants of the household, and then with that money, they went shopping, and their shopping, and how, you know, how much they could get out of that dollar that they had, or the dime that they had, um, and their um, sophistication with regard to bargaining and shopping, and knowing where the best deals were, that's was vital to the family's um, potential mobility. So seeing the women in the postcards and the kind of the work that they're doing is a great way to highlight what's often hidden in some of the traditional historical records. And you mentioned that, and I think it's really interesting about what's depicted in a lot of these postcards. It's not, you know, scenes and sunsets and ships sailing on the sea. These really are 
to my way of thinking, kind of unusual snapshots. Yeah, no, it's not pastoral. It's funny, in our tenement at 97 Orchard Street, um, when the museum got started, there were these murals that had been kind of blackened by soot and over time. And when they removed the layers of dirt from the, these kind of rondelle windows, kind of round murals, found all that all of them, I think there are 10 of them in the hallway, all of them depicted rural scenes, beautiful pastoral scenes with nary a person in, <laughs> in the scene, which is amazing when you think of the most crowded neighborhood in the country having these scenes that people would be looking at and gazing upon in a tenement hallway. And it really, um, you know, the reverse is that you have these postcards <laughs> that are in some ways like idealizing the crowdedness of the Lower East Side and making that appealing. So, you know, to me, I always think about those Rondell windows depicting the rural scene side by side uh, with these pictures depicting the vitality of the market and the crowdedness and, and the grime to some extent. It's an interesting window or interesting juxtaposition that speaks to the life at the time. It is it's kind of funny because when you're describing that, I can imagine it. And it's almost like, yeah, the, the postcards are what you would actually see out your window. And, mm-hmm. the, and the murals are what you wish you might be looking at out your window. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other nice thing about the postcards in general is that um, they show almost the kaleidoscopic nature of life on the Lower East Side. You're really getting a sense of motion. You're getting a sense of action. And the Lower East Side uh, was not a static place. It was a place where people were moving to on a daily basis, where people were moving out of on a daily basis, um, a place that people were moving from one tenement to another, from one workspace to another. I mean, there was just constant motion in daily life or in monthly life. And, I, and again, I think that these... Um, these postcards also give you a sense of that motion in a way that a printed source or a written source doesn't necessarily get to. Uh, I mean, another interesting thing about it, even when this was originally shown, it was shown at the Eldridge Street Synagogue. Um, and the Eldridge Street Synagogue typically talks about kind of the, the more formal um, religious practices that would play out in a house of worship. But there's a way in which the street scenes also speak to the religious life of um, Lower East Siders. Um, I think one of the, the New York Times at like the early 1900s said, if you really want to see the Lower East Side in its full glory, you need to go to Hester Street, which is the Market Street, or one of the Market Streets, on Thursday night or Friday morning and afternoon because it's then that people are getting ready for the Sabbath and the market is in its fullest expression. And so um, the kind of the rhythm of the week and the importance of the Sabbath um, can be made through looking at these market scenes and thinking about the women who are coming to buy food or, you know, to do the work that they need to do in order to get ready for the Sabbath. So there's a way in which the market and these street scenes show another window on religious life, specifically the religious life of women, that can often be hidden um, in other sources. And um, another quick question for you, um, which is that these are all from the Blavatnik Archive Foundation, which is a collection of some 90,000 postcards. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about how you were involved. I think you helped with some of the curation and what you were looking for and how it relates to your work. Yeah, um, so I was involved in helping them, I think, select some of the images and then really tease out what are the what were the main themes to think about. Um, 
as they explored and as they started to group the images together. Were you surprised by what you found? Not really. I mean, I think that these were kind of the the daily life scenes that you might imagine. Um, I think that there were, you know, different categories that made sense that would be the typical categories one would look at in thinking about the Lower East Side, categories like adjusting to America, children at play, making a living, the push carts, Jewish holidays. Um, so all of these kind of were these, but I think that just the, the details in the illustrations and the way in which even, you know, someone like me who studied this and read about this, seeing a kind of the, the vivid um, display of daily life was surprising in a way. You've mentioned, I believe, that the postcards are sort of the social media of their time. And would you be able to to speak to that idea? Well, it was new. It was novel to be sending the postcard. It was exciting. You could pick out different forms. I mean, in the, if, if one talks about that social media was a way, social media today is a way that a lot of people are expressing themselves. I think that how, what postcard you pick and what you write on it and how you send it, that was a way that people were expressing their own individual identities. And because through the process of immigration, a lot of identities are in formation and reformation, the postcards kind of give you a sense, too, not just of the kaleidoscopic nature of daily life, but the way in which one's personality is perhaps changing or developing or growing as one Americanizes or as one, you know, figures out how to present oneself back to relatives that are still in the old country. As somebody who knows this neighborhood well, I think that's safe to say, uh, do you see these in some kind of a historical context? Well, I mean, they're really nice. I don't know. It's just funny. I'm looking at some of the images now as we speak and just looking at the buildings and realizing that so many of the buildings that are depicted in the postcards still stand so that I can walk down, I can identify some of the streets by the look of the buildings because I see them all the time. So right now I'm looking at one of Hester Street and you can see PS42 that I walked by this morning. So it's interesting to kind of see the setting that I walk through still today on a daily basis, but see the number of people on the streets and see how daily life would have been in many ways so different just by virtue of the crowdedness. And I think the biggest the biggest virtue of the cards themselves is that they let us see what the crowdedness might mean on a daily life because you start to see yourself thinking about how would I get to school? What if I were late to school? How would I make my way through this crowd of people to get to school? And you start to kind of ascribe different motivations to the different people that you're seeing on the scene and thinking about them all sharing the space in this one moment of time is kind of amazing. Interesting. I will go back and look at them through that lens, uh, which is different than what I brought to it when I looked at it, just as depicting scenes. Um, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. This is great. Um, And appreciate your insights and thoughts and all the work that went into putting this together, I know, with the um, archive. The exhibit, again, is the Jewish Ghetto and Postcards. It's on view at the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts, through March 2018. The center is open to the public Sunday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can get more information at YiddishBookCenter.org. Again, thank you, Annie. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. My name is Zeke Levine, fellow here at the Yiddish Book Center. 
For more information about this podcast and to subscribe, please visit YiddishBookCenter.org. While you're there, I recommend checking out episode 27, our June 2012 conversation with music critic Seth Rogovoy about the band The Fugs. Until next time, be well, be healthy, sei gesund.